Are you an independent musician? How would you like to have your songs played on hundreds of radio stations just like the one you're listening to right now? Join MusicSubmit.com and we'll promote your music to radio stations and blogs in your genre. It's free to set up your account. And we can Give me a few seconds. Hello, this is G.E. Shaw once again. If you've been thinking about learning how to get into a new career dealing with podcasting, online radio, streaming radio, all the different names out there, you ought to try out my friends at Anchor. That's www.anchor.fm. They will, they give you the best of everything for podcasting, especially people who are just starting out. Unlimited free hosting, which means you don't pay for it. One-click distribution. And this one-click distribution gets you to all the major players out there. Google Podcasts, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, every platform out there. Anchor does all the work. Monetization for podcasts, something new that Anchor has just bought on. If you want your listeners out there listening to you, and they love listening to you, have them make a donation. That's Anchor. And you can record from everywhere. Anchor www.anchor.fm Check it out. You won't forget it. This is G.E. Shaw. Mix our radio. See you later.
and have a happy, happy Christmas tomorrow. This is G.E. Shaw, and this is our Christmas Eve special. We will have Ronnie DeShay on in a minute, and we're going to talk about what's coming up in the upcoming year. But this is G.E. Shaw, and this is Mixar Radio Tonight. Be back in a minute. This is a wicked animal, Dominic Beats. And we are back, and this is G.E. Shaw, and this is Mixar Radio Tonight with Ronnie DeShay. Say hello, Ronnie. Hello. So, what's going on? Not a heck of a lot, actually. Just finally got everything done for Christmas, for tomorrow, and I'm just kind of relaxing tonight. I don't really intend to do much of anything tonight. <laughs> you don't plan on doing nothing? No, tonight, no. Huh. Um, I'm, we're meeting at my mom's tomorrow for, you know, for Christmas. But um, tonight I'm, I'm just kind of taking it easy because the last couple of days have been pretty hectic. Oh, so you don't do all the cooking? Oh, heavens no. You don't have that. You don't have that Ronnie Deshay special. <laughs> no, not so much. Well, and our oven has been out for a few months. We can't bake anything, so that makes it pretty impossible to do most of what I would do anyhow. 
Oh man, you don't you tell me you don't be in there cooking some of those pies. Well, like I said, maybe I would normally, but without an oven, you just can't. Well, there's you know. Yeah. So what did you do when you was young, coming up during Christmas time? Oh well, how young? Uh, about the time you could actually enjoy it and remember it. We would. Uh, I, I come from a fairly large family. Uh, my mom had five sisters, and um, well, she had four sisters actually. One of them passed away very young, so there was four sisters and my mom, and then of course the husbands and the children. So Christmas Eve, we would go to my grandparents' house. And my grandparents gave all of us kids a pair of pajamas and five dollars every Christmas. And so we would all, uh, we would put on this, this show where, because we were all in school, you know, we were various ages, but some of us would play instruments, some of us would sing, and we'd put on this music show. And then afterwards, we would do the gift exchange, and the kids all drew names. The adults and the adults drew names pretty much, so we would all draw a name, and that was our person that we'd buy a present for. And then we'd put on our new jammies, and you know we were usually home by probably nine o'clock, and so then I'd go running up to bed. And in the morning, we would open our stockings first, and that was always a big thing was the stockings. And then Dad would cook breakfast Christmas morning, and he would always make the same thing. And I'll tell you, if I had had to have any year without this, I would have been very upset because it's as much a tradition to me as anything else to do with Christmas. He would make cream of wheat, which he always called mush. So he would make mush. Uh, We'd have hot chocolate, uh, orange juice, and toast. And Mom always canned her own jam. So every every um, season, she would make raspberry jam and strawberry jam. So we would have toast with this jam, and then the mush and the hot chocolate, and that was breakfast every year. And I just loved it. And then after that, we would go in and sit down by the tree and actually open up the presents. Oh, okay. After all of that, when I was young, we would usually go to my uncle's house. My father um, also came from a large family, but only one of his brothers lived in Washington State. The others were all down in California. So when I was very young, we would go to Uncle Kenny's house on Sunday for Christmas and spend a couple hours over there. Um, And then later on, we didn't do that. But then when my sister was older um, and married and everything, then a lot of times, because often she did not live in the state either, that when she was, a lot of times, then they would come over and we would go there on Christmas Day. So the afternoon was kind of a social thing for us, you know. Yeah. But very, very traditional in our household. Yeah, well, we had similar traditions. Uh, I think one of the big things when I was a little tot back then was... Uh, trying to spy and see Santa Claus. If there was a Santa, I wanted to go out there and check it out. You know, I wanted to validate that there was a big old jolly guy coming down the chimney. Now, of course, we didn't have a chimney at the time, but I wanted to see if this was a real thing. And, of course, you know, Dad and my mom would be 
uh, spying, making sure we still were in bed. So that was no fun and everything. And then we would go over to the grandparents, um, over to my grandfather's house, my grandparents' house. And we would sit back and eat, um, talk about different things, watch the, it was really big watching the sports mm-hmm. on Christmas, you know, because you always have, between Christmas and New Year's, excuse me for a minute, I'm kind of coughing here in my a silent cough, that is. And uh, what would happen is, you would have all the New Year's Day bowl games and the Christmas, after Christmas bowl games that led up to the New Year's bowl games. So we all got around during that time and watched those. And then when it was time to go out and have some fun, you know, go out there wherever we you know got for Christmas, so we'd do that. But Christmas to me was more or less about family. At that time, we had a real close-knit family, and it was all about just seeing family again. Because, you know, we'd be busy throughout the year. Everybody doing their own thing. Everybody um, basically, you know, working, shopping, uh, in the sports, things of that nature. So Christmas was one of those times when you just get together and just enjoy family again. But uh, nowadays... I don't know what Christmas is about. I think a lot of people think Christmas is just about having fun and see what you got for Christmas. And if you if you got anything good that you can talk about. But then again, like my daughter said, though, I'm the Scrooge of the family. So, to me, uh, I'm gonna bring a dimmer. I'm gonna bring a dimmer, a glimmer of badness to it. But hey, that's just the way it is. But uh. Um, I'm the the little thing they have on TV every year, the little green monster, the Grinch, just um, wanted to destroy Christmas. I guess that was who I was. It just you know when you're growing up, certain things over a period of time kind of deteriorate what you believe in Christmas, you know. But uh, I tend to still try to get out there and do it. You know, I got grandkids, so I go. I want to make sure that they doing enjoying Christmas. They want to enjoy the premise of Christmas, you know, and I want to make sure that they get the right idea of what Christmas is all about. That's just me. Right. You know, and uh, I'm trying to think back to, did we ever even, in the Midwest, you know, you always have a tendency to get that snow. I'm trying to think, did we ever even have any snow? Uh there's been a several times we had uh, a white Christmas. Um, I also remember watching certain classics during that time period. You know, like uh, Christmas Lilies of the Fields was one I loved watching. Uh, the other one with uh, George Bailey. I forgot the name oh, of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, It's a Wonderful Life. Mm-hmm. I, I love that one. Um, there was also the one with Bing Crosby and Cosby and uh, Dean Martin. I think it was called White Christmas. Right, right. So there were certain classics I always got around, wanted to talk about, you know, and just enjoy. And now, uh, I think nowadays you got these uh, 
kind of movies I'm not really into. I just miss the all. I just miss the new ones, the, the old ones, the classics. That's all. Right. Well, for me, a lot of that was to me that was Christmas. Um, we had another tradition every year that when Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer was on TV, Mom and I would make a big batch of Christmas cookies, the kind that you decorate, and then we'd watch Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer and decorate the cookies while we were watching it. So that was something we did every year, you know. Um, my parents were very, very much into the whole decorating atmosphere, mood music. I mean, I used to love it on the day that Dad would go up into the attic and bring down all the lights and all the decorations. And then he'd sit there and he'd plug the lights in and he'd go through them and check all the bulbs and replace the ones that were burned out. And I can remember, I used to start getting excited on that day, you know, and then that was usually right around the 1st of December. And then usually like the first weekend is the day we'd go get the tree and get that all decorated and everything. And then the house would start to smell Christmassy, you know? And I can remember when I was a kid, I'd go downstairs and I'd put some Christmas music on the, on the stereo and I'd turn on the tree and I'd sit on the couch with a blanket around me and I'd just watch the tree and listen to the music and I'd fall asleep that way. You know, I, I, I get very nostalgic for the Christmases that I knew because it's not that way now. It hasn't been that way for a long time for me, and I really miss that. Well, to me, at least this is my opinion. I just think over the years, and maybe, like I said, I'm an old grouch now, so maybe that's just me. But uh, I think Christmas kind of lost its zest for what the real meaning was over the years, it tends to be, like I said before, a little bit more materialistic. You know, what'd you get? And if you didn't get something that somebody else got and you felt disappointed in it, then you're all mad, you know, upset because I didn't get what JoJo got or JoJo received this and I didn't receive it. Or I didn't get that diamond ring you promised me. You know, things of that nature. And uh, that's the part that bugs me sometimes. But, like I said, to me, I'm a buzzkill. <laughs> so you really don't want to come talk to the Grinch here. Because the Grinch will be like the Grinch in the movies. Ah, Bob, I don't like Christmas, you know, or the Scrooge, whichever name you want to call me today, but hey, that's okay. <laughs> and uh, did you get uh, some of the stuff I sent you? Um, I, I got the stuff you sent me yesterday. Mm -hmm. You take a look at it? I have not had a chance to yet. I, like I said, I've been running like crazy, but I'm going to get to it as soon as I can. Yeah, you better, because some of your fans out there might want to see you. <laughs> you know, we all know that you don't want to talk about it, but we all know you want our famous, not only just the co-host of the show, but you want our famous local Tacoma writers. <laughs> you know, so uh, we want to give a little sound bite to that. Yeah, because it's going to be one of the main things we got going on. Well, not one of the main things, but one of the new things we got going on next year. 
on the second season. Hey, I got a knock on wood. I made it through to the second season. Yay. I didn't think I was. I actually didn't. I did not think I was going to make it this far. But actually, I had quite a few people wonder what happened to me. So, hey. Uh, I got sick and everything. But luckily, it was toward the end of season one anyway. Where I was going to end it anyway. But I did not end it the way I wanted to because I got sick. But now, we're back for season two. And I'm excited. Yeah, I know you excited. <laughs> well, let's just hope everybody else is gonna be excited. But we shall see about that. We shall see about that. If you wanna check in with us, find out what's going on, you can go to my website at www.sime.today forward slash mixar. You'll find out all the newest information about this show. Or you can follow the link that we just sent out on Facebook. It takes you right to Spreaker, which is our network platform where we be hosting our shows. And I will be back in a few minutes with more from Ryan Shane. But I promise some holiday music, and I'm going to give it to you right now. This is Christmas in a bad year. I hate to say that, but that's what the song is about. It's in a bad year. Well, if you think about it, I'm leaving the law for this year. I'm going to wait until next year to start passing on Trump. But hey, Christmas in a bad year. Carolyn Tryro. In fact. 
Well, it's that time again. Merry Christmas. You know, I think we should go back home and uh, do it old school. You know, chestnut roasting, snow falling, everybody snuggled up to keep warm. Come on, let's go. Let's Under the Christmas tree That's okay too. Yeah. Uh, just a text of the show. And as we sang about, it's a Merry Christmas. Yeah, he's getting tipsy. Talking about how you get tipsy. I thought it was only during New Year's myself. But I guess people can get drunk during Christmas. Kind of weird though. I don't know, have you ever 
We took Chris and Troy got drunk, really got drunk. You've never been drunk on Christmas. Nope, but I Christmas. bet you've been tipsy and drunk on New Year's or New Year's Eve. Oh, New Year's Eve, absolutely, but never on Christmas. Let's see, to me, I think that would be kind of, I'm trying to be politically correct here, kind of blasphemy, you know, you're going to be doing, getting drunk on, supposedly we celebrating the Lord's birthday, if you really, you know, believe in God or religion or, or whatever your foundation of belief is. You know, but, uh, uh, Christmas just like, to me, man, it's like, it changed over the years. It constantly changed. It constantly evolving. I think this year, more than anything else, should be a time for hope. Because, man, we've been going, we went through a rough year. Yeah, I would agree with that. We went through a rough year politically, socially, economically. Although people don't want to acknowledge that economically, uh, medical care is, is a disaster right now. Uh, there's so many things going on that we will talk about in the near future. I'm not going to get so depressed about it right now. I don't want to depress nobody else out there. So people, please don't get depressed by me. By me. I'm sorry. I really am. Am I really sorry? I don't know. But hey. Uh, I'm sorry because I got my hoax on here and she's happy about Christmas. So. <laughs> I may be happy about Christmas, but I'm not delusional. I know what kind of a world we live in right now. Well, for everybody out there, we're going to be uh, New Year's Eve. We're going to be looking at doing a countdown of some of the most impactful or some of the greatest things that happened throughout 2018. If the, if I can find something great about 2018. But we're going to look at some of the events that happened that impacted 2018. We're also going to look at some local stuff that happened throughout 2018. Like some of the events that happened during the summer. I didn't get a chance to actually talk about, you know, like some of the big time festivals they have. We'll look at some other things too that's going on. Probably even look at your craziness. And when I say crazy, I'm not just talking about your team, but the craziness that's happening right now in sports. I mean, the NFL for one is topsy-turvy. It's crazy. And your Seahawks to beat my Chiefs is one of the craziest things that could happen. But hey, it happened. And I cried a little bit last night. I ain't gonna lie. I kind of cried. I was... I was crying too. I was so happy. Oh, that's a rough one. That's a, that's a blow. That's a low blow. But did you really feel, come on, seriously, that we can explode on y'all at any given time? Didn't you... Come on. Didn't you... Feel like there's a possibility we might come back and win that game. Well, yeah, I, there, I, was, I wasn't thinking that you guys had no chance, but um, the way Russell was doing what he was doing yesterday, the man is magic, to be real, and he was in his element yesterday. 
I'm not saying you guys didn't have a chance to come back, but it would have been very hard for you to do that. Oh. Speaking. Oh. You ain't. Oh, so you don't know about uh, the miracle of Mahomes, the young quarterback we have. Honestly, no. If it's not Seahawks, I don't pay that much attention. Well, you know, you know that young guy that's the quarterback for us. It's only twenty one, twenty two years old, right? Mhm. Yep, and it's only his first legitimate. Uh, he started one game last year, but his first legitimate leadership as a starter throughout the whole season was this year. Mm-hmm. And he's on the verge of breaking every record in the NFL. No, that's good. That and, good for him yesterday. Oh, 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 oh. <laughs> oh, that hurt. That hurt. That really hurt. It's okay. I just, I had a feeling. I really did have a feeling that. Russell Wilson is going to do one of those Russell Wilson type magic acts. But you have to admit though, looking across the field on the other side, I bet Russell Wilson was saying the same thing. That's a young me over there on the other side with Patrick Mahomes. Man, that boy could throw a ball. Man, he reminds me of me. I just hope I don't ever see Seahawks, if we make it that far, if we're fortunate to get to the Super Bowl, I don't want to see him or your Seahawks. The man got some type of freaking magic or angels on his shoulder or something. It's like in all the big games, he somehow pulls a rabbit out of his hat. And I'm starting to hate Doug Baldwin, too. Really? Hey, I'm a Kansas City fan. Really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the boy can play. I ain't saying he can't play, but hey, you going, you expect me to like say the boy is great when I'm a fan of the Chiefs? Come on now. Really? <laughs> Well, I was a little concerned about the Hawks at the beginning of the year. Um, and I don't really understand this, but at the last, one of the last games where we won, uh, they were talking to Pete Carroll after the game, and he said something about, well, we're going back to running the ball. And I don't really know what that means, but I understand that it meant that they were doing something different, and now they're going back to what they were doing before. And whatever it was that he changed and went back to, it sure seems to be working. Because the Lions have been just playing phenomenally the last two games. Well, since you're a friend of mine, I'm going to explain to you what he meant. Now, if you weren't a friend, I probably wouldn't tell you. <laughs> if you remember the days of Marshawn Lynch... When they when I went to the Super Bowls and to the playoffs on a regular basis, well, your foundation was mental toughness, physical toughness, and beat the other opponents up upside down for four quarters, and play with a whole new type of toughness and basically like a backyard brawl type of toughness and. 
when the Seahawks started making their comeback, you know, uh, to put themselves in a position where they are now, it was because of their physicality and that running back they had back there I never even heard of before. And their best when Russell Wilson can play action and play street ball and run the ball and pound the ball and wear people down for four quarters. And they got back to that type of game. Okay. Where they take the game and split it in half. What I mean by that is they shorten the game by ball control and pound you to death and big play you to death after you get tired of seeing them running the ball up and down your throat. That's what he was talking about. Okay, well, whatever it is, it's working for him. See, in the beginning, before Ball and them got hurt and was injured and before they lost so many people at the beginning of the season, their offense was centered around Russell Wilson. Right. A more of a finesse type game. We're going to pass, pass, pass you to death. The problem is, they didn't have the offensive line in the beginning. Because they were all young and they were just starting to gel together. The other thing is, it's hard to throw the ball all over the place when your receivers are all hurt. And young. And see, unlike the Seahawks, Kansas City style is play action, uh, wide reverses, wide receiver reverses, uh, misdirection. Uh, they predicate their whole style on fast break type offense. That's Andy Reid and the West Coast. Now, they can pound the ball where they had to do last night because what the Seahawks were going to do was it was going to do this. They're not going to be part of the Kansas City uh, highlight reel. Okay. Pete Carroll made sure of that. He said, we're not going to be part of the, uh, the highlight reel for the Kansas City Chiefs. So they started playing a lot of cover two zone, cover two shell, making them throw the ball underneath making them throw the little short pass of the screens where Kansas City had to kind of change their philosophy and run the ball a little more. Now, they can run the ball, don't get me wrong, but they are what you call, and I know you probably don't remember these guys back in the 80s. They used to be the greatest show on earth, and that was the uh, St. Louis Rams. Hmm. I remember the Rams. And they used to be called the greatest show on earth. Well, the Chiefs had come close to being that type of team now, the greatest show on earth, because when you look at them, they're nothing but speed all over the place. And they tried to throw the ball as much as they could possibly throw the ball. The problem was the Seahawks in that damn stadium of yours uh, kind of hurt us a little bit. Because... As young as we are, too. Excuse me. <coughs> as young as we are, too. We never had to play in a stadium that's similar to our stadium. Where the crowd is deafening. And where Russell Wilson does all his miracle acts. Part three, part four. I don't know where we at now. Part ten, maybe. 
Act 10. Mm-hmm. But him and Baldwin is really starting to become a thorn in my side when we play them. He might, you know, he reminds me of. He's the equivalent to what Tom Brady is with us in the AFC. I don't never count him out, and he's what I. And Russell Wilson reminds me of him. I would never bet against him. You know, it just I wouldn't. You know, but uh, hey, the guy. The guy comes up with miracles. I mean, I there ain't nothing else I can say about it. I ain't never known a guy his size. Don't get me wrong. There's been some players over the years similar to Russell Wilson, but not too many of them outside of Farm, Steve Young, Brady, Aaron Rodgers. Maybe. Well, yeah, they put him out to be like the greatest of all time too. But uh. Mahomes might be there in the near future. But Russell Wilson has actually adored that title a little bit, I guess. Mm-hmm. So, I'm going to give you credit for that. You don't have to smile about it. You don't have to get all happy about it. But, uh... Yeah, I could definitely see all of that talent and magic and amazingness that you were talking about your Chiefs with. I definitely could see that last night. <clears throat> Why are you coughing about it then, huh? What's, what's, the cough for? what's the cough for? I mean, seriously. Didn't you see my boy? He played his butt off. A rookie. Well, well basically he's a rookie. Huh? So how'd that work out for him? We lost, but it's not because <laughs> it's not because we didn't have. We just have. I look at it this way: we ran out of time. We just ran out of time. Well, it's not what it was. And our defense started leaking a little bit. And they couldn't stop a doggone leak if their life depended on it. Last night, I'm like, really, guys? Really? Y'all can't see what he's doing. He's throwing only two people out there. And there's only one guy running about like he's crazy. Really? Y'all can't stop two guys or midgets? Seriously. I'm like, and then that, that one throw he threw up in the air to ball, and I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? I'm like, really? And Lockett is starting to become a pain, too. I mean, come on, dude. You two doggone, I keep saying he's small, but Tyreek Hill is just as small as he is. And I hate those little, I hate midgets like that, man, because it's like, when something happens, the greatness of these little guys are the reason why teams win or lose. It's not the big guys, because you know what they're capable of doing. It's the little ones running around. And I'm saying my, and I, that's all I said myself, I mean, really. Y'all can't put a spy on Russell Wilson? You can't put one guy on him and double team the other two? Really? How hard is that? Apparently, it's pretty darn hard based on last night. Well, I put it away Seattle and the state of Washington. You got your Christmas gift early. We gave it to you. <laughs> we gift wrapped it. Well, take it with that big old bow on it. Thank you so much. Yeah, we gift wrapped it for you. You did. But 
we still have a chance to have home field advantage throughout the playoffs. Mm -hmm. And we get home field, everything has to come through Arrowhead into the Super Bowl. And that would be a nice meeting to see them again on the field in Super Bowl. In mm -hmm. a neutral field where the 12 can't follow. But then again, I was going to say that. Then again, you guys follow everywhere for some unknown reason. Well, we are very loyal. Yeah, that I do know. We love our boys. And I'm going to have to... Hold on a second. I'm going to take a five-minute break and get my communication back up with you. Okay. Okay. This is G.E. Shaw. We got Ronnie Deshay here, and this is S-I-M-E, Mixar Radio tonight. And we got up next, It's So Good to Know. It's So Good to Know by Lex Norwood. Bring it home, Lex.
the sand down in my boots I can feel the cold down to my roots I feel the rumble of a jet plane shaking me to my core I'm a soldier, yeah, a soldier here in war Baby, I just got the news Oh, honey, you ain't gonna get the blues Hang on tight to your telephone Cause for Christmas, the soldier's coming home Yeah, for Christmas, your daddy's coming home And we're back with Ronnie Deshay and of course Lee. And we're playing Sheep Gooner. How about soldiers coming home? And that's a good thing though when you think about it. Having, you know, that's probably one of the biggest things you get. Somebody's in the military active duty. The soldiers coming home. And all of a sudden, you see, you know, especially for little ones, they ain't seen their dad in so long, or female, little male, whichever. It's like daddy's coming home. I think that is the biggest Christmas gift you can get. And that's. Pete Bruner, soldiers coming home. Oh, won't you go find us the best Christmas tree? Hang up the lights and wait there just for me. You know how I love the rain. So, if you ever have any songs you love to listen to, I love Christmas is my two front teeth. Yeah, I do remember that one. I love that one. Um, and when I was, was quite little, I had a Alvin the Chipmunks Christmas album <laughs> that I really liked. Hey, don't mention Alvin the Chipmunks around me. Because my daughter would say, Dad, don't start. Don't start. Because I'm, I'm not going to say I'm a big fan of the movies. I'll be lying, but I'm not. But I did love Alvin and the Chipmunks, boy. Especially the one song they used to have on there. I used to, and my daughter would look at me and say, "Don't you do it? Don't you dare do it!" And that was the one where it said, "Which uh, which doctor?" Uh huh. And where Alvin and them would be talking, about, "Which doctor, please?" And my dad, and my daughter, would be like, "Dad, don't you do it? Don't you do it?" Cause I would I would play that song over and over just to spike her. It'd be like, 
And I'd be like, just out of blue, I'd be like, what's up there, please? And she said, I'm going to my room. I'm going to the room. I said, okay, I won't. I won't. I won't do it. Yeah, but I do remember those. I remember that one. I also remember, uh, but I think we talked about that once before last year. There used to be a show that used to come on, um, well, we talked about back in the day. So we are dating myself back a little bit. But, it used to be a show that came on, uh, after, you know, around 3 30, 4 o'clock, after all the kiddies came back home, you know, from kindergarten or first grade or whatever. And, it was called Santa's Workshop. Mm-hmm. And, the thing that was so unique about Santa's, Santa Claus and his workshop, now, if there's anybody out there listening, any kids out there listening, which, uh, or kids at heart, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Santa is not real. So, don't hate the messenger. But, and the goodness and the spirit of Christmas, we love Santa. We love Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. You Now you know why I don't sing. Uh, but Santa in the workshop had, you know, Santa and his little elves and all that. But there was just always this one little thing, uh, one little creature. And I, I'm kind of wish you might have seen this or wish you might have remembered this. If you might have seen it, I don't know if you have or not. But it was called Cake Man. And one of the main reasons I used to watch that show wasn't because of Santa or because of all the presents he might be delivering or who's been naughty, who's been nice. It was that creepy little puppet called Cake Man. And he was creepy. I mean, when you think about it, he, as you get older, you realize how creepy that thing really was. It was creepy. Seriously, it was creepy. And he had this little pointed nose, little red, and his cheeks were real rosy red. Had the little, you know, baker's hat on, you know, the little high fluffed up cap. Had a little white shirt on, a little tie, and he would just hop around like a little rabbit, you know, tiptoe, and one of the things he would be like saying, Santa, 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 and it would be a squeaky voice, and the more I think about it now, as I get older, as I'm, you know, adulthood now, that was a creepy creature. He was creepy to be part of Santa's help. But actually, he wasn't really part of Santa's help. He was more like, I guess, Santa's partner. Because he did talk a lot in the show. He did have, you know, a lot to say about what Santa should do. But that's the first thing that comes to mind when I think about Christmas when I was young. That freaking little creature. You know, you know, we used to call him Cake Man. Uh... I used to love the, uh, before I knew what was real, what wasn't, the 
they would have the animated version and then they would have the actual Christmas version of Santa Claus uh, with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. Uh-huh. I would love to watch that show. I would love to watch the one where they used to have a show called Santa Stole Christmas. I forgot who played in it. It was crazy. The Miracle of, the Miracle on 44th Street. Was that the name of it? Yeah. Miracle on, yeah, Miracle on 38th Street, Miracle on 44th Street. Yeah. I think it was 48th Street. That was a great show. That was a great movie. To this day, there's three movies I will watch again. I don't care how old I am. Miracle on 38th Street, uh, Christmas in the Leaves of the Field with Billy D. Williams, mm-hmm. and White Christmas. Those three I will watch any time throughout the year. They were good classics. It had a lot of foundational beliefs based in it. Would you like to hear what the Deshaies traditional family movie was while my son was still living with me? Uh-uh. Every Christmas, we would pop a big old bowl of popcorn and sit down and watch... As many, I mean, each year, you know, there was more, but we would do a Die Hard day, and that was for our Christmas movies. Oh, yeah. I forgot about Die Hard. Series. I forgot about Die Hard. Yep. The one I, I love, I think was the original one that came out during that time, uh, right before Christmas. And I think it was the original one where uh, it happened in New York City. That was the original one, right? I I don't think it was New York. I think it was California, but it was the one with the big um, building. Yeah, I came. I know the name, but it's not coming out of my mind the right way. So I'm probably going to tear it up. But uh, it was all by a, a Japanese company. Yeah. Yeah. I think <laughs> it was the Nakamura building, but I'm not sure. Yeah. I love that one. Actually, I love all the Die Hard, to be quite honest. But that particular one, to me, it felt, you know, sometimes when you watch Christmas movies, you know, excuse me, Christmas movies or whatever, some fit for that season, some don't. Even though Die Hard was an action-packed, you know, thriller People getting shot all over the place. It fit Christmas for that year. It fit. It just fit. You know. Because they had everything. It had. <laughs> the Scrooge part. It had. The family aspects of it. It had. Uh, a mystique about it. You know. Uh, now you see it. Now you don't. Uh, misdirection. And in the very end, it accumulated with a lot about Christmas. And the part, you know, in every movie that gets a validation from me, there has one catchphrase that comes out all the time. And the reason I say that is because, like in, Clint, in all the Clint Eastwood movies, okay, there was a, 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 one of those sayings in there, make my day, okay. or please make my day, or some 
uh, version of that. Right. Same thing with Die Hard. Yippee! Yep. <laughs> Excuse me. That part. Whenever I think about Die Hard, I think about that that uh that guy Yippee! Yippee! And I'm not gonna use the other words in it, but you know where it's coming from. <laughs> and that phrase has always has some transcended into the other movies. Because even in some of the other later movies of Die Hard, it somehow comes back up. They somehow find a way to keep that in there. <laughs> um, that one was, to me, the best one. And then the one that they had, which, let me think about it. The one that they were built, uh, were Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson was in it. That was a good one. Was that the second or was that the third one? I think that was the third one, but I'm not positive. That one was a great one. Those two together, whoever thought of putting those two together did a damn good job. Because that was a damn good movie. Didn't care too much for the third, for the fourth one. I mean, it was good. It was Bruce Willis. Anyway, it's finest. I just wasn't sold on it. Not like the other ones. Uh, and then you had uh, what's his name? I think in the second one was the one where uh, they the were going against the fire. They were going against a fire sale. Remember, there was all the computers going. Was getting shut down, and they were going to take the whole world and put it into chaos. It was the one where they were crashing all the planes. Yeah. Yeah, Franco Nero was in that one, and I'll tell you what. Every time I see that movie, I spend a good portion of it up there licking my TV screen. Oh, my gosh. Okay. People, this is Ryan Shay. This... <laughs> Well, as you know, she is a very nice lady, but she has to have her fun somehow. So, hey, I... That is very true. Okay. Well, I'll tell you, there is not a woman out there who has ever seen Camelot that would not understand what I'm saying about Franco Nero. I've never seen him in Camelot. He is just mm, so lickable. I've never seen him in Camelot, so I... And then, I don't know how I would feel by saying he's lickable or not, but, uh, <laughs> I've never seen him, I've seen a couple of Camelot versions of Camelot, but I've never seen him in, in one of them, yeah, I've seen him, I've seen, oh, 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 yes, I do remember that now. I remember Vanessa Redgrave playing in Camelot, one of the Camelot versions of uh, King Arthur. Yeah, I do. I don't remember. For some reason, I don't remember him, though, but hey. I'm not going to say he wasn't there, because evidently you knew he was there. Oh, yeah, he was there. <laughs> yeah, I can tell by the way you're saying it. <laughs> so. Something. <laughs> I will leave that alone. Uh, 
So let's talk about what we got going on this year. So, you know, we're coming back in January. Right. And Tuesdays and Wednesdays, uh, we're bringing back that uh, foundational show. It's talking about everything politics and social and everything else. But we have a new caveat to it, though. We're bringing uh, your own taste to our show. Uh, Ronnie and her friends. And... We're going to really look into the deepness of Ronnie DeShay and her friends. <laughs> and if it's anything like you, yeah, it's, going to, it's going to be a hell of a show. I hope so. Because if I they... So. Well, if they're like you, oh man, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. Because <laughs> it should get interesting. And uh, that's going to air. I think we said uh, I we know it's going to be every other Thursday, but it's going it's going to air the first Thursday of the month and the third Thursday of the month. Correct. Right. Right. And what we got coming up on air too is also uh, you can join in on that too if you want, or if you have any friends, male friends, that want to join in on that. On Friday evenings, I think that's going to be at 6.30 or 6 o'clock in the evening. We're going to have that sports. <laughs> when we talk about everything sports. And that's going to probably come around about the same time or close to the same time. Uh, the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So yeah, so that's gonna be good. I just hope it's not. We I hope I just hope we're not gonna be talking about the Seahawks because I know you'd be willing to come on that show for that, just to talk yes, about. I yeah, I'm I know. Quite, uh, I'm, I'm very much hoping that the Hawks make it to the Super Bowl. I don't know if they will or if they won't, but I'm sure hoping that they do. Yeah. I'm hoping that they don't, but hey, that's you know, that's okay. I mean, I just Russell Wilson just kills me. I, I, that's all I can say about it. the guy. Right. How can a guy that nice be that mean and break <laughs> people's hearts? I'm like, really? I, I think he just knows how. What's the word? Compartmentalize? You know, this is what he does on the field, and this is what he does off the field. What? Hurt people's chances of getting to the playoffs or winning it all? Really? I don't know. Okay. Well, and also there's talk about, I don't know if it's been confirmed or not, but there's talk, what is it, that Seattle... Or basically, I'm going to say the state of Washington. We already know how you Washingtonians are. Once y'all get behind the team, y'all don't care where the hell they're located. Uh, that is very true. Uh, I think there's talk of um, close to signing a deal with to bring a National Hockey League team to Washington. I think that's what I heard. It's either, I know it's not the Sonics yet. Uh, I know it's not a basketball team, but I think. Something about the NHL coming to uh, coming to the state of Washington. Yeah, 
Yeah. That would be interesting. It wouldn't surprise me, to be honest. Well, I figure if they get one of them, they might pull out and bring back the, well, I ain't going to say they're going to bring back the Sonics, because that's the Thunder now, but <coughs> bring back somebody. Washingtonians is they like you said they do tend to stand behind their teams as much as possible. Oh yeah. It might not be in Seattle, might not be somewhere near them, but hey, as long as they got Washington, hey, they're they all in. That is very true. And that's one thing I will give y'all credit for. Y'all always all in. There ain't no bandwagoners there. Y'all, y'all, y'all stay with them through thin, thin years and better years. And the reason I say that is because of poor Mariners. <laughs> we have been really surprised to see um, how many, where I live anyhow, up by South Tacoma Way. There's quite a few businesses up there that have painted themselves in the Seahawks colors. Yeah. Um, and these people are diehard fans, you know. Now, even at my house, I have steps leading up to the front door and steps leading up to the back door. Those are Seahawks steps. Mm -hmm. They're not painted. They are. You kidding me? No. And I'll tell you something funny. My roommate, who is the person who does most of the, the work around here, he is a diehard Green Bay Packers fan. So when we asked him if he could paint our steps in the Seahawks colors, he, he wouldn't do it. <laughs> he, uh, he has a friend that he works with, and so Dave came over and painted our stairs for us so that they are Seahawks stairs. Yeah, how did that work out for him? We did J-Man the garage because the garage needed to be painted. The garage hadn't been painted in like 40 years, so we gave J-Man the garage so we have our little Seahawk steps, and then out back we have this ginormous Green Bay Packer colored garage. <laughs> oh, so that should be interesting when they get to, when the Packers and the Seahawks get together there. Oh, it's hilarious! It's hilarious because you know he's in his room watching the game, and uh, you know we're out here in the in the bat cave watching the game and he's got this little doll that says different Packers things so every time they score he comes running in making this doll talk to us I've never wanted to kill a doll so much in my life man that's interesting so it is really funny around here when the Hawks play Packers so you try to tell me everybody else in the house we, I mean, people, uh, roommates are all Seahawks fans well, I only have the two, and um, he is the um, Seahawks fan, and Sharon is a, is a, I mean, he's the Packers fan, and Sharon is a Seahawks fan. Oh, okay. So, it's two to one, actually. Yeah, I like those odds better, though. <laughs> so, most of your compadres that you hang out with, uh, the special ones that do the charities, I'm assuming they all Seahawks fans. Yeah, 
ones that I have spoken to about this sort of thing aren't really sports fans. Dang, didn't know that. Yeah, I mean, they really don't. My friend Hayden, you know, I'll say to him, yeah, I got to watch the game today. And he's like, oh, there's a game? What kind of game? <laughs> you know? <laughs> Dang. If he got to ask you what kind of game, <laughs> he don't even know what season he's in. Yeah, well, most of my friends, you know, they're just not um, sports fans, which is really kind of tragic now that I am, but, yeah. Yeah, I, yeah, that's true. I mean, most of my, well, actually, the ones I do have as so-called friends are sports fans, but, you know, the funny thing about it, the majority of them, and that's, that's very few in between, but the majority of them <laughs> all hail from outside of Washington. No. One's a Bears fan, one's a 49ers fan, uh, two of them are Chiefs fans like me. Uh, except for the ones I have, I do have a couple of friends that work, you know, some of the local coffee shops like Starbucks. Now they are all Seahawks fans. But uh, it's going to be interesting. My son is not a sports fan at all. He really does. He has no interest whatsoever. He's not a sportsman at all? Nope. Nope. Huh. So, you going over there once in a while, getting all excited when a seagull score or whatever, he just probably look at you like you're crazy. Much. I mean, I don't ever watch TV over at his house when I'm there. We don't, you know, it, it's just not something that we do, and certainly not any type of a sports thing. So, what is he into then? Um, right now he is into um, collecting and selling records, like old records, classic records. Yep, I have a whole bunch of them. He does a lot of the record shows where they go and they set these shows up and people come in and buy collectible records. He did his first show, his own show, he and his wife, uh, just last October. Um, they did it here in town and they put it together. It took them about a year and it was their first show. And so they rented a hall and sold table space to people and had a two-day event. And they did fairly well with it, but that's what he's into right now. Huh. Now, you said old albums and records. Classics. What type of albums, what type of records he be uh, collecting? I know that he collects basically anything. Most of it is like 60s, 50s, 60s music. Oh, so he's going um, way back. Yeah, yeah. So... Not 70s, 80s, and 60s, like Motown type scene. Uh, some of them. You know, yeah, and the, the classic rock type of thing. I mean, basically, if it's worth money um, to a collector, he has probably had his hands on it at some point. He's very much into the Beatles. He loves the Beatles. Yeah. And, um, yeah, so pretty much, like I said, if it's worth money, then he, he knows about it, and he's probably had it at one point. Well, then he should have, he should know a lot about Motown, then. I don't know if he knows about Motown so much as he knows about Motown records. Yeah. 
if that makes sense. Yeah. He doesn't think, except for the Beatles, he really doesn't care that much about the musicians themselves. To him, it's just a business. <laughs> oh, okay. Huh. But he's the one that's the writer too, though, right? No, he wrote when he was very young, but he hasn't written in decades. So who's the poet? Oh, um, you're talking about my one of my heathen kids, Forrest, and yes, he is a writer. Oh, okay. So you have your biological son, but you have like, I call my adopted daughters. I have like two or three adopted daughters. Right. I have fifteen or twenty heathen kids. And, oh, um, I ain't going that far now. <laughs> I ain't going that far. I might have four or five adopted daughters, but uh, nah, I stop at five. <laughs> Cause they had to really larger than people realize but yes there's a few of us but yeah Forrest is, is the writer in my family yeah he's one that uh I'm hoping to hear or see in the near future right on these shows right yes okay yeah he uh recently started a new job so he's uh been really busy trying to get in, get settled, you know, get situated in this new job. But, you know, give him a couple of months and he will definitely be participating in the shows. Okay. That sounds good. Mm-hmm. So, with that in mind, we know we got the Ronnie and Friends coming back. Well, actually, this will be the first time that it's going to be a solo act by you, so... Yes. I'm looking forward to that. I am, too. Just sitting this back, letting you do all the... My, this will be the second show that I do, because I also am a co-host of a show uh, through my book club where we do book reviews, and so that's a lot of fun. Oh, okay. And, but I don't really have the, the ability on that show to just talk about what I want to talk about, so... This will be fun for me because, it, you know, I can do whatever I want. <laughs> so, the other show you do is controlled by somebody else? Kind of, sort of. I have two other co-hosts, <clears throat> and what we do is one month we will each read whatever book we want to read, and then we talk about it on the show, and then the other month, alternating months, we will read the same book. And then we'll see, you know, whether we agree or disagree with how good or bad this book was. And um, so basically, the only thing we talk about on that show are the books that we read. We don't uh, get into the authors, you know, gee, this author does this or that, and this author is so wonderful. We don't really get into that. Um, if, if the book is made into a film... We don't really talk about that. Basically, all we talk about is the book itself. Huh. So we don't have a lot of leeway as to what we can talk about. Oh, so this is going to be interesting then. Yeah. Because uh, one of the things I'm hoping that's, that we're going to generate on the show is the fact that, uh, uh, what am I going to say, is the fact that I want to get into the minds of these some of these individuals you bring on your show. You know, like, with me, I write for a certain reason. And it's not always for money. And it's not always for, you know, fame or glory, which I never, I don't think I'm ever going to get to that point. But 
But I write for other reasons. And one of the things I would like to know is with this show you're talking about, or you'll get a chance to know the author from the other side. Not just the writing, but what drives them to write certain types of books, novels, or whatever. You know, so I'm looking forward to that. Uh, and then some of the craziness I know you and your friends are going to talk about. <laughs> and then, uh, speaking of that, uh, on Friday and Saturday nights, we're going to be bringing back uh, Late Night. And it's basically a smorgasbord of music, nonstop for about two hours, two and a half hours. With, awesome. with yours truly. Yeah, me. And on Sundays, the one that you like, uh, you talked about a couple of times, we're bringing that back. And it's, uh, it's uh, uh, we're going to call it Gospel's Best. But it's basically uh, music from the uh, indie world, but a lot of musicians, gospel singers, gospel songwriters, groups, that go under the scene that no one knows about, who are damn good singers, damn good writers. We're going to talk about that, and then uh, throughout the course of the year, we're going to do a lot of stuff on location. That's what we plan on doing. And I'm looking forward to it. Now the trick is, can I stay healthy? But with you on board now, fully, it's a possibility. We're going to go. And one more thing. Uh, we also got, we also sponsored, have a sponsorship with Anchor. And Anchor is another uh, platform. But they do mainly podcasts, but they do do live uh, shows too. There are actually, if you miss it, you can get the podcast version. But the thing about Anchor is this. It's easy to use. If you have never done it before in your life, don't know anything about podcasting, don't know anything about live streaming, radio, etc., 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 then you need to go talk to Anchor. Because Anchor has a format that's Pretty simple. Basically, you can do it through your phone. That's probably the simplest way if you don't know anything about podcasting. But the whole point about Anchor is this. (coughs) Excuse me. Is that uh, you go to Anchor. uh, It's www.anchor.fm. That's the web address. And once you get there, you just fill in the, you know, the standard registration information, all that. It takes you about maybe 5, 10, maybe 20 minutes, depending on how computer savvy you are or phone savvy you are. You can do it on your phone, too. Uh, once that's done, they walk you through the process. You watch a little, I don't know, 15, 20 minute little tutorial that they show you. Uh-huh. And once it's done, they get you up and running. The, uh-huh. The best thing about Anchor is you're able to transport uh, your live shows onto that format, 
onto that platform pretty easily. But outside of that, they do all the work for you. Now you think that, okay, there must be a catch somewhere. Well, the only catch they have, I can, I've seen, is the fact that on their platform, there might be some, you know, advertising through, you know, for Anchor or whatever the case may be. But here's my thing. They do all the work. They do all the research. They do all the subscribing for you. They get you out there all over all the major platforms out there. From iTunes to Google, which I didn't know. And I've been in this now for a little bit over a year and a half, you know, on a serious base, basis. And Google has its own version of podcasts that you can actually listen to podcasts on Google mm-hmm. and everything. And the good thing about it is, like I said, they have Google, they go to uh, iTunes, uh, Spotify, anything out there that's a major player in a uh, streaming, radio, podcasting, they get you on there. It might take them a while to get you there because... They're doing all the footwork and everything. But the other thing is, when you go there, it has a little button up there saying, if you like our shows, so-and-so, so-and-so, sponsor us. Right little button right beside there saying sponsor us. Okay. And it's pretty simple. Uh, You control how far you want to go with it, how many you want to, you know, what to sponsor you for, but. Uh, me, I do it for the love of doing it, but I do have it, my own little, we do have our own little sponsor button on there. So all you just do now, all you have to do is just send a tweet to it, put on your Twitter account, it's already embedded, and all you have to do is have them hit sponsor, and then it takes you to where you sponsor the show, or if you like the uh, people to run the show, you can sponsor that. And it tells you on there what you can do, how much you can spend a month or whatever. The good thing about this I, that I like about this show, I mean, the platform of Anchor is the fact that it's free. Don't cost you nothing to set a podcast. Summertime's over Winter's just began Christmas time's coming I join the Lonely Hearts Band I just need someone To sit by the fire